You are about to listen to Defending Black Girlhood Podcast, and I'm your host, Lalita G. I'm a black mother. Look, I don't care what Mookie Mae Mae and Lakeisha oh, Mama does. I'm not Mookie Mae Mae and Lakeisha's uh, Mama. Tripping. A preacher. Give me the key of D. And Mary had a little baby, and his name was Jesus. A life coach. Look, girl, if Chump don't want no help, Chump don't get no help. Oh, and a singer. And I, and I, and I, no, I ain't a singer. Most of all, I'm an advocate for black girls everywhere they are. And I'm telling you right now, I am unapologetic as hell about my fierce advocacy for black girls to be safe in their homes, schools, and communities. Join us for courageous conversations about topics that most impact our girls and be inspired to do your part in defending black girls in your part of the world. Any scene depicted in this episode is a fictionalized dramatization based on true accounts and public records. We aim to give voice to the story and tragedy of Erica Hill's life. Some information may contain graphic, violent, or explicit language. Listener's discretion is advised. Hi, Erica. How are you doing, kiddo? Hi, Mrs. Knudsen. You sure look uncomfortable. It's pretty hot out today, and you have that turtleneck and long sleeves on. Aren't you burning up in that? No. I hate that I have to wear this shirt all the time. Yes, I'm hot. I'm burning up. Would you like me to call your mom and ask her to bring you another shirt to wear that's more comfortable? Please don't call my mom. It's it's not a big deal. No. The last thing I want is for her to call my mom. I'll get in big trouble if she does. Erica? You think you can pull down your collar and let me see your neck? Trust me. There's nothing to say, really. I want to trust Miss Knudsen, but I'm afraid of what my mom will do if she finds out I sh- showed her my scars. I can tell that you're afraid to talk about this, Erica. I can help you, but you have to let me see. <gasps> oh, Erica. It's nothing, Miss Knudsen. I want to scream, help me, but. I don't know if anyone can. Can I see a little more? (gasps) Who did this to you? Really, Mrs. Knudsen, it's it's nothing. Maybe, maybe if I don't say who did this, maybe if I act like it's nothing, this will all go away. It's okay. You don't have to say who did this. Thank you for trusting me, Erica. I promise we'll keep you safe. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. What is my mom gonna say when I get home? Today, as we're diving deeper into the story of Erica Hill, we're talking to Sarah Knutson who was Erica's teacher at Wright Middle School. And she's going to help us learn a little bit more about Erica and tell us pieces of the story as we're working to really build a timeline of how this all unfolded. 
And so, Sarah, thank you so much for being with us today. Yes, hello. Tell me, what did you teach at the time back in, was it 2004? 2004. It's been a long time. I'm thinking that I had Erica for a reading class. I can't remember exactly. Right. Now, this is just a basic. We just yeah. trying to get some of yeah. the Middle school, seventh grade way. is I okay. had six, seven, and eight. But What are some of your hobbies? Oh, some of my hobbies. I have young kids at okay. home. And so, basically, I do a lot of chasing them around and <laughs> following them around from sports to sports. Yeah. So, lots of basketball and leg football and baseball and cheerleading and gymnastics. Okay. That's about my hobbies these days. Did you grow up in Madison? Um, I did not. I came to Madison about three years after graduating college. Oh, right. And I know you were telling me you had some experience with Leopold, and that was my school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Back in the day when I was there, it was nothing but cornfields out there. <laughs> and, man, did we have stories about cornfields. I bet. Let's talk a little bit about Erica, get into talking about her. So you had her as... Um, a student in your reading class. Yes. So tell me, if you could describe Erica with one word, what word might you use? Energetic. Energetic. Yeah. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about her personality in general. Erica was quite different than her, her sisters, or she called her sisters, Kiki and Titi. She had more energy, and it was harder for her to sit still and just focus. She was more of a typical student, than her two sisters. Okay. Her two sisters were just very, very quiet and obedient and straight-A students. And Erica tried her best, but that just wasn't her character. Mm-hmm. She she was a little bit more of a typical middle school kid, had some energy, but she definitely cared and tried. Mm-hmm. But it was, it came harder, little, for it was harder for her than the other two girls. And so tell me about how you all began to develop a relationship. I had her, uh, her sisters, or that she called her sisters, as students as well. And I guess I just noticed the thing about Erica that really stood out to me was that she always wore long sleeves and turtlenecks. Mm-hmm. Always. No matter how warm it was that day or cold, it didn't matter that she always had that. And so that was kind of my initial red flag. But you could see the fear in her eyes if you told her you were going to make a phone call home if she didn't get busy or whatever it might have been. And, of course, you want the children to have a little bit of fear of that phone call home, but not right. the fear of death right. in their eyes. Right. Um. So th- those were just some red flags that stood up to me and just made me try to understand her in a different way so that I didn't set her up in any kind of way. I wanted to make sure that whatever strategy that I was using or going to use to help her be more successful was actually going to work. By getting to know her a little bit different, whether that might be coming in for lunch or just having some conversations with her and just kind of getting to know her in a slightly different way, I think that kind of opened up a little bit more conversation with her than maybe typical somebody else. Right. Do you feel like you had maybe a little bit closer relationship with her through those efforts that you had with some of your other students? Probably so. You know, you your goal is to reach every student right. in the way that they need you to reach them or be there for them in the way that they need you to be there. So it was probably just different. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
over my time, that's kind of my goal is to get to know the whole person. Sure. And because I've been at Wright from day that they opened the doors, wow. from day one, I have the luxury of knowing many of the kids and their parents and their siblings and their aunts and their uncles and their cousins. And that also helps me because kids come in and I've already established that kind of reputation with others that they're close to. Right. And so that makes things move along a little that quicker That definitely makes a difference. How would you describe Erica's interaction with like other teachers? Was she on the red flag of anyone else? You said you noticed how she dressed. And so that kind of lift a red flag for you. Were there at team meetings, were there some concern about her outside of what you saw? I think so. I, I think that it was a red flag for others, but she was tight lipped. Like mm-hmm. she wasn't going to talk about anything. It, that's just, she was very hard to get into, okay. get through to. So yes, I think that other people saw that piece. I don't know if, you know, everybody saw all the pieces that kind of went together. Right. Or at least that kind of made me want to make sure that she was, things were okay with her. Okay. Tell me about what some of your interaction was with her mother. Well, Marie was at the school a lot. Very, very pleasant. Always happy and willing to help out in any kind of way. Mm-hmm. Very present in the school. And I just remember the girls were always wanting to take extras home, of whether it's food or whatever it might be. But Marie was, we were on first name basis Mm -hmm. and just really a nice, pleasant person. Not somebody that you would, not somebody to me that brought up a red flag. Right. Right. So her personality did not kind of mix. So then when you saw her, though, sometimes with the girls, did anything seem out of sorts? Well, it was clear that the girls were on best behavior whenever Maria was around. And I remember one instance in particular, and we were outside. I think it was right outside of the building. So we had the overhang, but it was raining. And Maria and I were talking right close to the doors where were covered from the rain, mm-hmm. and she told the girls to go to the car. And the three girls walked to the car, but the car was locked. And so they stood, like, in a single-file line by the car in the rain. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, like, a typical kid would say, Mom, can you open up the door right. or unlock the door or would you hurry up? It's raining or, exactly. or something. And they stood silent in a single-file line right next to the door, right next to the car door. Wow. And I thought that was kind of, I mean, kids aren't usually that obedient, especially in middle school. Right. But in general, they were on their best behavior Mm -hmm. whenever she was around. And did it seem, you said she came to school a lot. Did it seem in any way atypical the amount of time she was coming up to the school? And what kind of things was she doing when she came up there? I just remember her after school, mainly. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if she volunteered or if she just was there to help out, but it really did not, nothing about Marie really stood out to me. Mm -hmm. Nothing sent up really a red flag when it came to her. Right. One of the things I've been hearing reoccurring and talking to people has been that she didn't give the kids a lot of time where she wasn't around in some kind of way. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. She was kind of an Mm ever-present person kind of there. So Erica was very quiet. She's very tight-lipped. She wasn't a person to tell a lot about herself. Right. So let's go to the day when 
she reported to you. Tell us about that. What led up to that? I think it was after maybe a gym class or if I had class. Mm -hmm. And she had on the turtleneck and the long sleeves. And I can't really remember how the conversation started. So let me just ask you a quick question. So she wouldn't even change in gym class. Mm -mm. She still Mm -mm. had that turtleneck, long pants situation. 24-7. Anytime you'd see her, that was what she had on. Did the other girls as well? I don't think back at that time they changed for gym. Okay. So I believe it was after a FIAD class, and we were talking, and I just, I, I, I don't remember how it all happened. But I convinced her finally to show me her neck. That's what I saw first. What made you think to ask that? I just asked. I, I can't remember how it, how it completely played out. But I think I asked her about the turtleneck and the long sleeves because okay. it was so hot out. Right. And she told me that it was nothing. And I said, are you sure? And so I think that was when she was like, Wanted to kind of prove it, mm-hmm. but she couldn't prove it. And so I remember seeing the scratches on her neck. That was the first thing that I saw was the scratches on her neck. And they were, like, it's forever ingrained in my mind. They were, like, pin, like, sharp, almost like if you took cat claws or or pins and, and went down her neck with them. So they were really tiny fine line scratches. Mm-hmm. So I, I was thinking about it. I suppose it could have been a brush. Okay. You know, maybe a brush that without the, the little beads on the top mm-hmm. of the bristles. But it was really fine line scratches all down her, down around her neck. Okay. And then she had something on her arms, but that was about as far as she was going to let it go. Okay. And she was afraid. And I... To this day, I feel, I, I really just feel horrible. I, I, it's really bothered me all these years a lot because she did confide in me and I did want to do, I did want to help her. I mean, I cared about her and I wanted basically by her confiding in me and showing me that's the last day that she ever went to school. So what happened after this? She... Shows you the scratches. Mm-hmm. What did you do next? So I'm a mandatory reporter. Mm-hmm. And so I had to make a report. It was the first report that I've ever made to social services. Okay. I was anxious about that because I didn't want to be, you know, put something on somebody's record if it wasn't real. Like, you know right. what I mean? That's a, to me, that's a real serious call. Right. And you want to make sure that... It's a legit call. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of get stuck when there is a concern. Mm -hmm. If they see something or if a child has reported something, like, is this a legitimate situation? Mm -hmm. I don't want to get the parent in trouble if this isn't. Mm -hmm. And I think I want to pause there for a moment just to say to people who are listening that if you have a deep concern Mm -hmm. and you've seen any kind of evidence or child has reported abuse, that it is not on you to investigate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not on you to prove if it's true. It's not for you to get more evidence. It's just to report what you know. Mm-hmm. And then you leave the investigation to the social workers to do. 
But it's a hard point, Mm -hmm. especially if you know the family, you know the mom, you've had this relationship back and forth. She's the nicest person in the world. Trying to bring those two things together in that moment Mm -hmm. must have been feeling really uneasy Mm -hmm. because those two things are very diabolically opposed. Yep. I think my gut told me that there was something going on that was significant. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know that I suspected that it was coming from Marie okay. necessarily or who it was coming from. Right. But basically in my gut, I could see the fear in her eyes when anybody talked about calling home. I could see the behavior change when Marie was around. I could see the struggles that she had that were different than her sisters. And I do even remember her sister's telling me that she gets in a lot more trouble at home than they okay. do. I do remember that okay. as well. There's a part of you that is a hard balance because you want to honor the parents at home and how they're right. disciplining their children and how they're choosing to do that. At the same time, you want to make sure that the kids are safe and right. in a place that they can learn. Right. So let me just ask you this. So Erica never said, my mom did this no. to me. No, she did not. So she never made any accusation on... Who caused the abuse? No. no. Okay. No. And in fact, she wanted to retract it all. After I saw Mark's, mm-hmm. then she wanted to downplay it. So what did she say? She's like, oh, it, it's nothing. I'm fine. You know, it's nothing. I'm fine. Like, she panicked. Mm-hmm. And just, I think it, it bothered me all night, but it, it really bothered me the next day when she didn't come to school. Let's stick with the reporting okay. part. So you went to report. So you went and talked to the social worker, the yep. school social worker, yep. and then you two worked together to make the report. Yep. yep. So how did that go? They asked a few questions. Mm-hmm. But like I said, the social worker was there with me. Right. And helping me through, you know, to make sure that I, I needed to do it, but she, I wanted to have an, another voice there. Right. They asked me that, you know, basically kind of what I just told you. Mm-hmm. And they said that they would look into it. Did they ask Erica any questions? No. She was not with she us She was at not the time. there at the time. Mm-mm. And so I understand that at some point the nurse did an eye exam on Erica, just kind of looking at other places, taking a deeper look at the scars and things like oh. that. Do you remember any of that? I don't know anything about that. Okay. No. Okay, because I was just wondering what she may have said. So social worker said they're going to look into it. Mm-hmm. And in the day, next day comes no Erica. No Erica. None of, none of the kids. None of them. Mm-mm. What goes through your mind? So you said you go home and it's bothering you all night. Mm-hmm. What were you thinking that night? I was just worried. I was worried for her because mm-hmm. I didn't know what my phone call meant to her. Like what, right. what that, how that was going to influence her evening or what that was going to be like. Mm-hmm. And then when they didn't show up at school the next day, of course, I wanted to know. I can't remember exactly. I think after a day or two, I think I even called social services mm-hmm. to find out. Because it, it was like, if it's this serious and now the girls aren't here, right? what's going on? Right. I don't know if it was social services that gave me the answer that they left town. Mm-hmm. Or if, if it was somebody else. Mm-hmm. But my understanding was that they packed up and left Okay. after that. The social services called them, called Marie, to make an appointment with her. Okay. And so she knew they were coming, 
and then she left. Okay, because that was one of the pieces we were wondering about when talking with the school social worker was, how did Marie know yeah, I th- they to called. get in the like, panic mode to leave? Yeah, yeah. I think they called, and I don't think that they thought that it was probably as significant as it turned out to be. From what I understand is they said, you know, can we meet tomorrow or, you know, it wasn't going to happen that evening. Okay, okay. And then they, they picked up and, and left. In retrospect, do you feel like there should have been a stronger response that day at the school when Erica revealed her scars? I don't know. I don't know if there should have been a stronger response at that particular moment, but I think that we should have looked into it before we did. I I think that a girl her age wearing turtlenecks and long sleeves in the extreme hot weather, I, I guess I don't know how you go about that, but that in itself is mm-hmm. is a pretty significant warning sign, I think. Right. And so, yeah, like I said, I don't know how you go about that, but had we kind of investigated it around that, did more work with her prior to that, and, and maybe could have got her some help where she felt safe enough to really share her story before her mom had the opportunity to share the story. Right. Might have been a better better way to do it, but that's hindsight. So she disappears. Everybody is gone from school. Mm-hmm. And there's no requests for school records. There's no... My understanding is that she was going to homeschool them. And who did you hear that from? I I want to think maybe the secretary, but that was what it went down, I believe, on the official records as homeschool. Okay, very interesting. Yeah. That's an easy way to mm-hmm. stop people from poking in. Yep. Yep. So after that, so that's around 2004? I, that's what I think, yeah. Okay, 2004. So... Between 2004 and like 2007, mm-hmm. Erica's like 11, 12, until she's 15. Did you ever see or hear anything from Erica? Never again. Never again. Nope. And did the girls ever come back to write? No. So the next time you saw anything about, when's the next time you saw Marie? I saw Marie at Leopold. Okay, and this is about what year? Hmm. I can't even remember a year, to be honest. Okay. But sometime, some years been later. Before that, I don't believe she was working at Leopold. When I met her, she was picking up Kiera, her daughter's um, child from kindergarten. Okay. So this is many years later mm-hmm. then at mm-hmm. this point. Yeah. So that was the next time you saw her. Yeah. But at some point, her younger son attended mm-hmm. right. I think he did. I, I don't really remember him. Yeah. I remember hearing of him, but I don't really remember... I think he was attending right maybe at the same time as all this happened. I can't remember. I think maybe he was a little younger. He but, was younger. But even with him attending right, you never saw Marie coming up to the school Mm-mm. during that time like Mm-mm. she was before? Mm-mm. She kind of stayed clear. Yeah, I, I, the, the next school. time I saw Marie was quite some time after I made the report. So I made the report, continued to kind of follow up on it on my own as much as I could. Mm-hmm just for my own satisfaction, I guess. I was told that 
she was back in town, and I think that was like a year or two later. Okay. And I was told that she was at her church. That's where people saw her. That's That was the first sighting that was reported, you know, that somebody told me. Okay. And then I knew that Kiera worked at Culver's. Okay. And I remember running into Kiera after the fact, the, after the reporting. And, and what was that interaction like? It was really kind of cold, mm-hmm. like uncomfortable. And I thought maybe she was mad mm-hmm. or upset with me, mm-hmm. but I'm guessing it was probably more like, I can't go there. I don't want to go there. Don't ask me about my sister. Don't ask any questions. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? Nice to see you. I got to go to work. Yeah. So it was a pretty cold interaction. Mm-hmm. Unlike when I crossed paths with Marie. Okay. Hers was, oh, Miss Knudsen, I'm so happy to see you. You're the best. We miss you so much. You're the best teacher ever. And just like over the top, mm-hmm. happy to see me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, she she must not know that I made that phone call. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or maybe she did and she was covering it. I don't know. But yeah. she was gave me a big hug and told me how great I was and that she was there to pick up her granddaughter and that she was helping with the granddaughter. Wow. And so when you saw Kira working, was she still a teenager at the time? Or is this yeah. more like 2015 time when she had the daughter? Hmm. I think she was more of a teenager. Okay, so there were some years between yeah. when you saw Kiara and then when you saw Marie again yeah. at the school yeah. picking up her granddaughter. Yeah. Okay. So I, I believe that I heard Marie was in town mm-hmm. and then some time passed. Yeah. And then I heard Kiara was at working mm-hmm. and then some time passed and then I saw Marie at okay. the elementary school. So fast forward to 2015. Mm -hmm. How did you first hear about Mm -hmm. Erica being murdered? That's a good question. What stands out in my mind the most is being in class teaching and having the principal come down and get me because there were detectives that wanted to speak to me. (laughs) So pulled me out of class to come downstairs and, and meet with them. Wow. And okay. so I think that was the first that I heard of it. Because that wow. was, I think, before it hit the papers and, okay. and all of that. Because I think it hit the papers sometime mid-September of 2015. Yeah. So, so it was right at the beginning of the school year. And so somebody knew, I imagine, that you had reported, mm-hmm. which is why they specifically came yeah. to ask you. And what was that conversation about? It was kind of similar to, you know, the conversation that we're having now. Okay. Of... How did I know the family and how did that conversation go? And Mm -hmm. so very similar to our conversation. So how do you feel when you hear this? I'm devastated. I still feel really guilty. Mm -hmm. I know that I had to do it. I know that it's the right thing to do, but I don't know that it got taken care of the right way. But Mm -hmm. I didn't really have any other choice. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could have ignored it. Or I could have not thought about it so deeply or tried to f- mm-hmm. figure it out or help her outside of school yeah. or whatever it might have been. Mm-hmm. But it's a terrible feeling. It's a terrible feeling. And I, I tried to go back and from my research or my looking at things and looking at 
the enrollments of the girls after that and Mm -hmm. not finding anything with Erica and it's saying homeschool. And I believe that the older girls came back and enrolled in Verona schools, if I remember right. Okay. And so I tried to do the math when it happened and when they found her and tried to tell myself that it didn't happen that night. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen the night that I made the phone call and that they left town. Right. But that doesn't necessarily make it any better because that just was more abuse and torture that she went through from that point to when they found her. But it's it's just something that's so vivid in my mind and, and it's just, it, it's really hurtful and it really, it does bother me a lot. Mm-hmm. So what do you feel like some of the key places that it went wrong or how you wish things would have gone differently and who would have done what? I think that social services, things like social services and medical stuff, that we were connected in a bigger way Mm -hmm. so that if you do leave and go out of state, they know that there's an open CPS Mm -hmm. case on that person. Right. Or they do follow that homeschool, where's home then? And, right. And who's, you know, the, there was an open case, and now that person's being homeschooled. So right. I wish that there was some more accountability that way and that there was communication from different agencies that would have that information. Because I know in more instance than one, I'm a foster parent as well, and working with that system. Mm-hmm. I know that there's a lot of strategies for parents and families to cross the lines, the border, the states, mm-hmm. state lines, mm-hmm. to try to get around things. Right. And right. so I think there's definitely a gap there. Yeah. At what point did you stop following up? Oh, I think I just because of the nature of who I am, mm-hmm. I continued to just check every so often to see where things So if I heard that Marie was back at her church, I would see where the kids were at. Or I hear Kira's over here, Mm going to maybe just, I just, I didn't want anybody, I didn't want the kids especially to think I was the bad guy, that I was really trying to tear their family apart Mm because it was just the opposite. Mm -hmm. And so I really wanted in some way, shape or form to give closure to it. Like everything's okay. Kira's working, mom's at church, the family's back in town kind of thing. And I guess I never assumed the worst. So if if I heard Marie's here and the oldest girl's here, I had just kind of assumed the family unit mm-hmm. was back in town doing well. Or, mm-hmm. But over all of the years, it's never been a conversation that hasn't come up from time to time. In what ways? And with who? Just with friends or people that knew of the family, mm-hmm. knew of the situation, uh, how I felt about it at the time, and mm-hmm. and then they just vanished. So mm-hmm. that's what kind of made the story different mm-hmm. than if it was just you report a case and then, you know, they're back at school and you don't really know what goes on at that point of right. who's what's happening with the family. But the idea that they were just gone. And so I had friends that knew Marie and friends that knew the girls mm-hmm. and that's how I would get the, you know, somebody would say, oh, you know what? Guess who's back in town? Or I saw your friend Marie or mm-hmm. <laughs> something like that. Mm-hmm. 
And so then the conversation would start. So it's just something that never left you. You kind of no. was always. Mm-hmm. Did any red flags go off? I think one of the things that I struggle with the most is the fact that I knew from the timeline that Erica was murdered and I believe it was in 2007. Mm-hmm. And then Kiara told about her mom mm-hmm. in 2015. So that was like seven, eight years mm-hmm. that she was missing. What I did not know was that she had been missing since 2004. Right. And not sure who saw her in those next three, four years mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. the report. Yes. To know what was going on with her yeah, at this so time. From my recollection, she was gone for the family, I think was gone for a year or two or something. Mm-hmm. And then they came back. And I believe the older girls were enrolled in Verona okay. to finish out their high school time. But there wasn't, I think it said for Erica, she wasn't enrolled. And, mm-hmm. and I, don't, I can't remember if it said homeschool at that point or if it said somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But I think it was homeschool. I'd have to put it on a timeline in front of me, but I don't know where she was at during that time. If she was, I don't know where she was. Right. And I guess I'm confused, and you don't have to answer this. So I'm just kind of just throwing it out there. Like, why social services didn't follow back up when Marie resurfaced? Yes, I have no idea. That's been a question that I've had, too. I mean, at the same time, I understand that she hadn't been fully investigated and all that kind of stuff, but I'm also asking at the same time, how did she get a job at the school district? Mm -hmm. Well, that's just it. I think, if I remember correctly, after X amount of years, they just closed the case. And so it was basically a call. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't anything more than that. My God. My God. So Mm -hmm. we're talking about, man, almost 15 years Mm -hmm. ago that this happened. How do you move differently in your work, in your life? You know, to be honest, it's my goal to really get to know my kids. It always has been, to make a safe environment for them. Erica's case was different because she did not want to reveal that secret. She really, I mean, she was afraid. Mm-hmm. That, that, that secret was a big secret. And... I don't know. I guess I'd like to just hope that I never have another child that has to go through that same level of torment and abuse. But it's a pretty tough, it's a, it's a, it's a tough because I don't know if it was the right answer when it's all said and done. And I don't know what I really could have done different mm-hmm. or what I could do different for another child or family. It's a tough one. Right. Right. That's part of even why we're doing this, because I think it's a question that has to be asked. Mm -hmm. And it's a question that has to be answered, because I think it's important that Erica's life mattered. Yep. I think it's important that the experience she had mattered. And I think as much as we, as social workers, teachers, community people, mothers, neighbors, church members, I think... We have to ask ourselves, everyone that was in and around Erica has to ask themselves, what could I have done differently? Mm -hmm. And what can I do differently going forward? Mm -hmm. 
Otherwise, it feels in vain. Mm-hmm. Marie had her pretty isolated. So there wasn't a lot of extra time other than your class time mm-hmm. to really, really get to know her. Mm-hmm. Unlike other kids where I could go down to the gym and watch them play basketball or go watch them play for the Raiders or, you know, at right. Penn Park or, or something like that. She was pretty isolated with Marie. So if she was going to participate in anything, Marie was going to be there. So really the only time that you had with Erica alone, or not alone, but without Marie, mm-hmm. was class. Mm-hmm. And that's 45 minutes a day. And you have a whole class to teach. Right, which we um, some other yeah, students. Yeah, so it's tough. A student like her, the time that she really needed. Mm-hmm. But I did the best I could, you know, like just to get to know her as well as I could and and be there for her the best that I could. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's hard to know because, like I said, Marie presented well. She presented as a a good parent, mm-hmm. and she didn't. She presented really well, and so when you look at the big picture, it's it's a tough one. But I I think I think that the ball was dropped when they were gone. That that's huge, right? That's huge. Like we're not just talking about little scratches on her neck anymore. We're talking about up and moving a whole family because of little scratches on her neck, hmm. right? I think that's right. the bigger picture. Right. And did, did you or anybody else think when she came back to call social services again and say, hey, she's back, and I know she kind of just up and ran away? I remember hearing that they closed the case. But even with the case being closed, being, hey, let's reopen this case because I'm concerned when yeah. we report it, next thing we know, all the kids were pulled from school mm-hmm. and she moved Something's not right. Yeah. She's back in town now. When we didn't know where mm-hmm. she was, you can't do anything about that. She's back in town. Her kids are enrolled in school. We know where they are. Mm-hmm. We know where she is. We need, somebody needs to find out mm-hmm. something. Nobody has seen Erica. They're saying she's homeschooled. Like ringing the bell to say mm-hmm. something's not right. Open that case mm-hmm. and follow up. Somebody needs to do a welfare check to make yeah. sure that this child is safe because we haven't seen her. Mm-hmm. I agree. I don't. I don't know. I, I guess for me, hearing the case is closed, hearing they're back in town, seeing that Kiara's healthy and happy and seeming to live a normal. You know, hearing about Kiara and I guess just assuming. That the family unit is, I mean, I just saw scratches, like little fine scratches. So for me at that time, you, I would have never guessed it was murder. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I guess I didn't think that at that point that any kind of abuse could potentially be proven. I don't know. I didn't really. Yeah, I guess I just. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I just, I think, and I get it, if it was this scratches and then they investigate and they say it's okay she said back at school the next day and blah 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 but the combination of it all it's yes honestly it's hard for me to not see an alarm Mm -hmm. 
when she comes back. Mm-hmm. Because when she's gone, nobody knows what to do. But when she comes back, right. and I get what you're saying. You say, you see Kiara, she looks good, but she wasn't the one who reported. Right. Yes, I understand. And I'm just trying to dig at this. I'm just trying to dig at this and dig at this because there's more Erica's out there. Mm-hmm. There's more Erica's out there. And try to find some way to make sense of the situation. Mm-hmm. And I'm just lost. Well, we also had the red flag when her sister, her oldest sister, mm-hmm. or Marie's oldest daughter, committed suicide in the Dane County Jail. That has a right. pretty big piece to add to the whole big story, too. Right. So have you had any contact with Kiara or Sierra? I have not. Mm-mm. Any conversations or have any sense of how they're doing? I don't. Mm-hmm. I've heard that Sierra and their younger brother still kind of are on mom's side versus Kiara, but I don't know. Yeah, because I did hear that when Kiara reported that there were Two siblings that said, no, yeah. this is not true. Our mom was great. Uh-huh. Bruce never happened. Yep. None of that. Yeah. So you've heard that there's still some. Yeah, that's been a while. So I don't know if there's been any amends there or division. But that was a while ago that I okay. was told that. Is there anything else that you'd like to add that you think would be important for us to know as we go forth in working to create other realities for black girls that are just in trouble and in distress. That's a tough one because I can think of different situations that I've had with kids and their parents. And I guess I, I feel like as a teacher that every kid or hopefully every kid connects with a few people, whether it's teachers or staff And I always feel like if I didn't get close to them, hopefully there's a teacher that has a different character that did. Mm -hmm. Over the years, they become my kids. Like, I'm still connected to so many of my students Mm -hmm. and and care about them and, and look out for them even as young adults and try to help them whether it's a job or an application or school or whatever it might be, or just moral support. And so I think that we just have to be aware that everything doesn't even show up as blatant as a turtleneck and long sleeves. Mm -hmm. And that we have to just try to know them at a different level. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes just trust your gut. Yeah. Right? Sometimes... Mm -hmm. That gut is telling you something isn't right and trusting that. How do you feel that this has personally shaped you? I know this, I can feel this is hard to talk yeah, about. Yeah, it is hard. It's hard because I want Erica to know and I want her siblings to know that me making that phone call was completely out of love and concern for Erica. And never did I want to be any piece of more abuse and more hurt and more pain for any of them. Never did I want that. 
And still to this day, I hope they don't see me as that person that caused that for them. And I have some guilt, but I don't know what else I, I could have done differently because of the way it, it kind of came out. I mean, she wasn't, she wasn't somebody that you could, I, I worked on the, the relationship to the point that I got to what I got mm-hmm. versus another kid. If I put that energy in that relationship, our relationship would have looked very different. Building a relationship with her was hard to get to the point of her even moving that collar a little bit. Right. I mean, because she was deathly afraid. And so I just hope that they understand that it was all out of love and concern and nothing else. If you could say something to Erica right now, what would you say directly to her? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you had to endure that kind of abuse. And at any given time, if I could have stopped it or taken her under my wing or took her home with me, I would have done that because nobody deserves that. And I'm so sorry it happened and, and that I hope I, I hope I didn't make it worse. Thank you. Thank you. Does any of this fuel why you do foster care? I don't know. It, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I love my job. I love working with kids. I love the kids that I work with. I love watching them grow and uh, become healthy adults and reconnect with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love my job. And there's a lot of places that are tough, but it's very rewarding. And so I think just as a whole, working with younger kids is, it's been a blessing to me mm-hmm. as much as to them. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you coming and sharing and helping us to learn and understand a little bit more about how this whole story unfolded for Erica. Mm -hmm. And hopefully for us to take away some things that that can be done differently. Absolutely. Yeah, because I think we don't want to see the worst. We don't want to believe that kids are going through certain things we don't want to be wrong we don't want to offend we don't want to do all these things and the challenge before us and the work that I'm doing in defending black girlhood is taking all those risks Mm -hmm. to be wrong to be offensive to step outside the box to do all of those things when there's care, concern, that something's not right. Mm-hmm. So what is the issue with white social workers? I think that <laughs> I'm, I'm not the right person to necessarily put this out there, but I think that when you have connections or ways of relating to or embracing people that are different than oneself, mm-hmm. that can be looked at as a threat. And so whether it's a white social worker 
kind of judging you on what you're saying or that or the person mm-hmm. on what they're saying, ultimately it's who they're connecting with. Right. Or not connecting with. Right. And so, in my opinion, I have been more successful at connecting with students of color. I've worked at Right for 20-some years. Mm-hmm. And that's just been my world. That's my life. And I love my kids. I love what I do. And so, therefore, I am 100% me, and I let them be 100% them. Mm-hmm. And it works. Mm-hmm. But if if you don't have that relationship and you make the wrong judgment call on somebody that's African-American mm-hmm. or the social worker doesn't value their client, if you want to say that, call it that, they're not going to put the same level of work into it. Right. So how do you feel... One, that's a whole deep conversation because right. I have a whole lot of thoughts. <laughs> I mean, because we say white social workers, but it's really white women mm-hmm. social workers. Yes. So I have a whole deep level of conversation about that, mm-hmm. which I think really impacts how situations are handled and mm-hmm. dealt with, how they're seen when the majority... I was a social worker with Dane County Human Services. And when I first started working with them, I was out in Sun Prairie. Mm. And you better believe I had some experiences to tell you about being out in Sun Prairie because I had clients in Deerfield, Forest, and Marshall. Mm -hmm. And when I showed up on the scene, people didn't know what the hell to do. (laughs) So I've seen a lot of things, but I think that there's a lot of judgment call that comes and assumptions that happen. So Mm -hmm. part of what I'd like to ask you is how did race play a factor in the whole reporting of Erica and the whole situation? I don't know exactly how it played a factor at that point in time. But what I do know is that in even in my experiences since then, I was told after having, like I said, 20-some years experience with middle schoolers and good experience. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I have a lot of really close relationships with my students as grown adults. Mm -hmm. And I was told just recently that maybe I'm not cut out to foster teens because my expectations are too high. Mm -hmm. But specifically, that's a whole nother thing to unpack. (laughs) It is. You you give me two different hats, (laughs) but I want to unpack that. But just focusing back on Erica. So as that connects to Erica. Yeah. Did you not want to be the white woman who reported this black mother that was so nice. I wanted it to be correct. I did not want to make a mistake and falsely accuse somebody or or put somebody that may potentially already be struggling in a situation that would make them struggle more. So for me, I wanted to be 100% accurate. Like, I, I, I just wanted, to, if it's real, it needs to be done. If it's not you know, leave this family alone kind of thing. And do you think that that played a, a part in... Other people not reporting. Well, other people not reporting, but also kind of you wanting to make sure everything was okay when you saw Sierra, when you heard Minnie was back in Probably. town, for you not to go deeper. Do Probably. you think that whole thing, I'm not, I don't want to be that white woman. Probably. Probably, like, I did this, and because I did this, I already did this. 
So I already made this happen. I already put this chain in, you know, this chain of events in place. So mm-hmm. I've already made this happen for years. And now it kind of appears that, you know, the family might be doing okay. And it's not necessarily in front of me at this point. They're not at my school. They're not in, in my class. Maybe not my business if they've moved on and, and this has been solved. Because it's not necessarily my role to follow up on this for the next 10 years after they're not in my classroom. And so I think that's... And yes, so that probably mm-hmm. had a played a factor in it. Kind of like, not necessarily your role, but kind of. Which is probably why you could never let it go. Yeah. And I think that's the flip side of race relations in dealing with tough situations like this. That's the flip side. You have one side of social workers, mostly white in this Mm -hmm. county, that are making all these judgment calls. Mm -hmm. But how did they let it go? Do you know what I mean? Like they... That is their job or somebody else's job to follow up on that. It is, but I think it becomes a circle of accountability Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because it's easier for them to let it go because there's no relationship. There's no connection. Right. And they shouldn't have let it go. Mm -hmm. But it's easier for them because they don't know Erica. They don't know many. They didn't see the things, you know, all this Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So it's easier for them. And I think... There's a couple pendulums that happen in cross-racial relations. You have these social workers who have a tremendous amount of power Mm -hmm. to impact somebody's life. And if they're coming in from a situation that is racially guided and they have negative thoughts, all black people are like this, and they may never say it. But I will give you, for instance, I had a friend who was working as a guarding at Lydum. And she was working with a county social worker who hadn't met her face to face. And she says to her, it was regarding a case of a child who the father was trying to get custody. The mother was drunk out on drugs. The father was trying to get custody. So the social worker says to the guardian litem, you know, I'm trying to figure out what this father's ulterior motive is. So the guardian litem says, well, what do you mean? Well, You know, black men don't raise Mm -hmm. their children. So in that instance, that social worker had a lot of power in making that judgment call. Now, I know well enough to know she thought she was talking to another white woman, but she was talking to a black woman and didn't know it. Mm -hmm. I know well enough to know that she wasn't going to put that in a court report. Mm -hmm. What she was going to put in the court report was going to be something whitewashed and cleaned up to underscore her thought that black men don't take care of their kids. What she was going to say was the father doesn't seem very stable. He hasn't had a job. He doesn't have employment that seems to the level. That's, that's what she's going to say. And I've been in court hearings, having been a social worker and seen that a social worker will make their reports and they will make their recommendations. And 15 times out of 10, The judge will take those recommendations and read them, won't change a dot, a comma, nothing, and read those exact recommendations and put them in the court order. 
So I know she knew better than going to court and say that. Mm-hmm. But that was going to be the foundation. So that's one thing. People were just blatantly racist in their thoughts and ideas and aren't challenged to look at people as individuals. Black people are this. Black mm-hmm. men are that. But now the other dangerous part are the nice white people mm-hmm. who don't want to cause any trouble. Mm-hmm. They don't want any black people mad at them. Mm -hmm. They have the good relationships and they don't want to rock the boat. Mm -hmm. Equally as dangerous Mm -hmm. because when that interferes with Mm -hmm. taking the next step, the scary step, Mm -hmm. the invasive step, and it doesn't happen because of that, Mm -hmm. that's also dangerous. Absolutely. And so it's also dangerous to overreact to a situation that can put that family into a system that is equally as hard to get out of for false things. I've seen that, too. Absolutely. I've seen that, too. And I think it's important to have appropriate reaction Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to a situation. But if one ball I can knock out of the park... For our listeners, it would be, again, just underscoring, it's not your job to prove it. Mm-hmm. If a child reports abuse, right, absolutely, it's and, not and, your job to prove it. But just put it out there and let the other folks do their job. And if they're not, like something went wrong with human services, mm-hmm. if they're not, to hold them accountable. Right. I agree. I agree. As a teacher... You have a whole new group of people. You know, you have a whole new, in all those years that Erica's gone, and it's crossing my mind from occasion to occasion, but you still have a whole new group of kids that you are trying to do the same thing with, build those relationships with. And like you said, it's a community effort. It's an effort of, of everybody, everybody stepping up. Everybody. Everybody. Stepping up Mm -hmm. and doing their part even when it's uncomfortable. Regardless of who it is and what they mean to you or them or the next person. Right. I think that's the big piece. Right. Because had it been a different kid, would they have followed up? Go all the way with that. Had it been a white kid? (laughs) Had it been a white kid? Had it been a white kid, do you think it would have been different? I'm not in the heart of social services or no, this human services, think. but in my experience, probably not. I think they probably would have followed up. So had it been a white kid that was reportedly mm-hmm. abused, you think they would have followed up in a different way? Likely, yes. Because it didn't open it up to anybody else in the community. Nobody knew unless, the, unless they were at the school. You know, like, we don't... Right, because it's confidential. It's not like the whole community knew that there had been a, a port of abuse, and that's why many left, because she could have said she left because mm-hmm. her mother's sick. She left because yeah. she got a new job. So anyone around her who didn't know, but for all those who did, mm-hmm. do you think you would have responded differently had it been a white student? Mm, probably not, only because... I work with very few white kids, mm-hmm. and I, I honestly don't think I would have, but I could be missing something about myself. Yeah, yeah.
So clearly you can tell that I was frustrated by that conversation. And I have to tell you that afterwards, I probably had more questions that I still had that were lingering. So what questions came up for you after this conversation? What questions were in your mind? Do you feel like um, there was more that the teacher could have done just in the whole reporting? Do you feel like after Sarah found out that Erica and her family had moved back to Madison, that there was more that she should have done at that point in time? She talks about finding out that Marie and the family had moved back to Madison and that Erica was being homeschooled while all the other kids were in school. Do you think that the teacher at that point should have done more? We also talked about race. Do you think race has played a part in this story? Love to hear your questions. You know, you can reach out to us at lalada.org, L-I-L-A-D-A.org. Go to our comment session. Let us know the comments you have. Let us know the questions you have after this conversation. And make sure you subscribe because you do not want to miss one episode of this whole entire series. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. And we'll be back next time.